And he says, Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stilled, while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down before me. Even when the Son of God came, he had excuses and reasons why he can't break the storm. Harvey, you don't understand my situation. You don't understand. And even when Jesus shows up, you say, but Jesus, you don't understand. You don't understand why I can't break through. You don't understand my mental state. You're going to understand. You're going to understand. And even when the Son of God stands with you and says, do you want to be well? We've got all these excuses. Breakthrough and breaking down of strongholds can only come when excuses end. Stop making excuses why it can't be you. The facts were true, but faith has the ability to override facts. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Guys, um, today, just want to welcome all my friends that's here today. It's great to see. It's almost like speaking to the family. So that's great. But I'm going to ask you guys, thanks, Andrew. I'm going to ask you guys that today, please preach with me. I'm going to go into, into a bit of detail of how I prepared for this and how this was my battle um, to just prepare for today. Um, and it was also God's way of just showing me something. So, so please preach with me. If you, there's something that you like, um, doesn't matter. I just want to know that you guys are there um, and that you're hearing what I'm saying. It does help. Um, for those at home that might get seasick, I, walk, I move around a lot. When I preach about something like this, it makes me excited. And um, I will forget to put the mic up to my chin. I will forget everything. So please excuse me. Um, but this is a word I know that comes from God. I'm just checking for that shoe that's coming. We're in a series called Rain in Life with a main message today, fight or flight a spiritual warfare. The main scripture for this series is Romans 5.17, and Heinz has been preaching about that reigning in life. Um, for the sin of this one man, Adam caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who will receive it and will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man. We can reign in life. And um, we started with trust is a must, don't let it rust. Who can remember that? That was the story of Gideon um, in the name of the Lord of the hosts, which was a story of David reminding us of David, the king's domain. We had two of kings of the kingdom, one and two. Let us run, and then last week, bow to none but the one, which was Daniel living an uncompromisable life. And um, today, we are going to delve into fight or flight, a spiritual warfare. So I'm going to just read two scriptures to us. And I want you to follow with me. Gert, jy is langer as wat ek gedink het. 
So Ephesians 6, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the eyes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly power. Therefore, therefore. So Paul, if I say, therefore, you, know, you must be careful, I'm seeing you sleeping there. Therefore, what does it mean when somebody says, therefore? Is that not a call to action? It says, therefore, because you know about the spirit, you know about this war, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done it all to stand, stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shot your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplications. So I'm just going to, I'm going to go back to that quite a bit. And then one, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, <laughs> let me just say this, in my preparation, Heinz asked me to use these two scriptures. So when he touched base with me on Thursday to see how the preparation is going, I said, no, Galatians 6 is such an amazing thing. And 2 Chronicles 10. <laughs> and he said, I think, <laughs> I said, I don't know. What. And he said, you're going to make that joke, right? And I said, no, I won't. So I just did, sorry. I didn't have to say that. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let's just pray. Father God, as we go into your word today, as we delve deeper and deeper, Father, I pray that the words that will come out of my mouth, that it will not be my words, but your words. Father, that when you speak to your people, that it will not be my thoughts, but your thoughts, Father God. I pray that every heart will be open so that we can hear what it is that you want to say, that we can walk destined to reign with you, Father God. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, the first thing I'm going to ask you is that you please do not freak out when you hear the word spiritual warfare. It was quite interesting when I was studying outside and my son said, So, Pastor, what are you talking about? My biggest critics, thank you. I, I said, No, spiritual warfare. So, they, war, that's all I heard. Spir what's that? Spiritual warfare. It's that one topic that when you hear that, I think people go, Oh, I do not understand that. I, do not, I don't know what to do, but let me tell you this, that it doesn't matter if you believe it, it doesn't matter if you think it doesn't exist, we have just read that it does exist. With or without you, there's a fight going on. And I want to today unpack that for you. I want to first look at what is the spiritual warfare, what is it that the Bible talks about? 
Then the second thing I want to do is I want to unpack and go, what is it when it says breaking down a stronghold? And then I want to look at 19 ways. No, I'm joking. It's not 19 ways. I want to look at five ways. It was nine, I must be honest, and I had to condense it into five. So you'll see they will have long descriptions. But just five ways, five ways on how to be victorious in spiritual warfare. Will that help anyone here today? Thank you, Andrew. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, James 1. Guys, we are all going through a trial. We are all in this war. And through this war, when we, when we, when we learn something from this, it will give us what? Endurance. Endurance for what? So that you can be great at the end. No, so that we can keep our eye on the prize, so that we know that the crown will be ours at the end of this. This is why we go through this. Now, I must tell you, when I prepared for this, um, I just said to a few people, and I said to my wife, yesterday I was sitting on the bed, and I said to her, I just want to speak to you about this. I just want to test, I just want to test if this is spiritually sound, if this is biblical, because suddenly I am starting to doubt myself in everything that I've written. Friday night, I said to her, no, no, can it, I need to start all over again. Saturday morning, I said to her, okay, everything I did Friday night, can it, I'm starting over again. And I started doubting myself. And I want you to hear that because that happens. So you can look at me with judgy eyes, but I know that happens with you as well in your life. And I was looking at this and, and everything this week was just against me. I, I didn't have time. There was always something on at night. Um, it was one of the mentally most toughest weeks of my life. And I go, God, what is happening Surely you know that I have to prepare for Sunday and, and I feel paralyzed. I feel as if there's a, there's a fog. It feels like I can't reach out to you. What's going on? And as soon as I did that, and this is very important, I'll get into why. As soon as I did that, something lifted. And I must be honest, and please excuse me, I will cry today. I'm going to tell you. And I was speaking to my wife, and every time that I speak to her, I cry because there's something that the Holy Spirit wants to impart in your life that will give you victory to reign in life. That is such an important thing. I look at a lot of people. I'm part of a lot of groups, and people are tired, and they are running out of steam, and they feel, I can't do this. And they say, Harvey, there's no way. And that, if, if it's you today, if it's you at home, this is who I'm speaking to. Sorry, at home, I forget. I get excited and I forget that you're there. But listen, I don't expect you to listen to my life and say, oh, okay, what? let's look at a story in the Bible where this happened. And I know that all of you will know this story. And this is the story in 1 Kings 18, if you want to follow. In 1 Kings 18, there's a story of somebody called Elijah, the prophet. Do you know Elijah? Please do it there's a, there's a prophet called Elijah. And Elijah is on a spiritual high. Elijah says, hey, let's have a little tournament. Let's have a show off, okay? 450 of you against the one of me and God. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to build an altar. And then we're going to put, you're going to put your offering, your meat on there. And then you're going to pray to your God. And you're going to tell your God to help you to set this alight. Have you all read the story? Guys, at noon, 
I want to read you. <laughs> this is what Elijah said to them. I find the Bible, sometimes it's got so much humor in it. He says, no, 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 you'll have to shout a bit louder, he scoffed them. For surely he is God, perhaps he is just daydreaming, or maybe he's just relieving himself, or maybe he's away on a trip or also asleep, and he needs to be awakened. And he is in such a spiritual high that he's mocking them. And then he saw, no, nothing's going to happen, and he knew nothing's going to happen, Gert. And you know what he did? He took 12 stones and he built an altar. And on there he put an offering. But he said, no, 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 that will be too easy. I will dig a trench around it. And he filled it with water. And then he said, no, 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 that will be too easy. Bring three gallons of water and he put it on the offering. And he said, no, that will be too easy. Do that three more times. So it's wet. So those of you that like to braai, Rainer, water op a braai werk nie. And he said, God, of Abraham, if you are there, I need you. And the fire came out and it disintegrated the whole altar and everything that was on there. Guys, I will tell you what, if I was there, I would have taken photos. It would be a tweet, a Facebook. It will be on my Instagram. It will put you on a spiritual high, say, look what God has done. And, it, and we will all victoriously um, chant the name of God because it's an amazing thing that happened. But it doesn't stop there. He then goes and he prays for rain. Just, guys, it's the next column. He prays for rain. And, he's, and they're praying, and then he says to his 2IC, go check. It must be raining. And he comes back and says nothing. He does this a few times. He comes back, he says, there's a little cloud. And he goes and he sees a little cloud. He says, go tell the king it's going to rain. And this 2IC gets on his horse, actually with a chariot, and there he goes. Okay, who now knows how fast a horse is? Okay, who here has outrun a horse before? Something comes over Elijah. He says the Spirit of God came over Elijah. And he got so excited. And he started running to go tell the king. And he passes the horse. Okay? Guys, I'm telling you the story to tell you that if ever, if that would happen to me, for 40 years you will not tell me anything else but that God is good and God is great. But you know what happened? Jezebel hears that this is what happened and he killed 450 um, of her prophets and she sends a message to him. Remember what just happened to him? And she sends a message to him and she says, hey, as, as sure as what I live, tomorrow at noon you'll be dead. And what does he do? He runs into a cave and he hid from her. It must make you wonder what happened? And we are the same. One day on a high and the next day on a low. And you have to ask yourself, why? So I'm just going to point out three things just quickly. And, and, and Francia, I'm going to ask you to tell me what the time is. Because I think Heinz said I had three days. But you can just tell me. <laughs> the signs that you are in a battle. The first thing is that. There's an irrational fear and insecurity. Elijah had just killed 450 prophets and turned the Israelites back to God. He had a great victory. However, when Jezebel said that she's going to kill him, he ran for his life. 
her threat on his life was not a real threat because he could easily defeat her, right? So this fear was irrational. Do you ever, ever feel that fear? Do you experience victory and suddenly fear grips you? Have any of you felt this way? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm sure you have. The second thing that you know that you know is there is confusion and no clear vision. Elijah doesn't want, doesn't want to live and end up in a cave. He doesn't want to be isolated and alone, but he finds him there. Just after all these victories, just after the spirit came over him and he ran, outran a horse. The next day he finds himself in a cave. When, when he t- retells the story 41 days later, because let us just stand still and know that he was 40 days hiding. 41 days later when he recounts, he doesn't even remember the good things that God has done. He only says, oh yeah, but somebody wanted to kill me. That's what he recalls. And it's often like that in our lives as well, where we only recall the negativity and we don't remember the things that God has done for us. That is the confusion, that fog that I spoke of earlier. And then you often find your third thing, you find yourself isolated. This is where the enemy wants you. Elijah went into a cave and hid 40 days and nights. Like I said, I'm I'm part of a few groups and I'm speaking to a lot of men. And I tell you what, as soon as the battle becomes real, a lot of people go into isolation. Because when I go into isolation, that is exactly where the enemy wants me. Alone, hurt, confused. But there's good news. 2 Corinthians 10 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons are The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power. They have what? Divine power. Think about this. To demolish strongholds. I'll get into that now. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The good news in this passage is that even though there's a battle I read here that we can pull down the strongholds. And that's what I want to delve into right now. But we need to understand what is a stronghold. The term stronghold appears at least 50 times in the Bible. It commonly refers to a fortress with a difficult to access. Judges 6, 1 Samuel 23 is just a few of them. A stronghold is not a word we use every single day, often in our normal lives. But this comes from the Greek word, please excuse me if I don't say this correctly, Achuroma, which is fortified, military stronghold, strong walled fortress, a prison. Strongholds can be the way you perceive yourself. It might be pride, offenses, lies, pornography, lust, any form of addiction, thinking it won't succeed, never amount to anything. God doesn't care about you, feeling rejected. You see, that is the purpose of a stronghold, is to keep you there. You see, a stronghold... Is, is, is a fortified um, 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 fort to keep people inside and safe or prison, it keeps people inside and don't want them to get out. And that's what the enemy does. He takes all of that and he builds a fort around that and he says, <laughs> I'm not letting this go because as long as I can keep this in your mind, 
you will isolate yourself. You will feel that you're not worthy. You will feel that you will not amount to anything. So as long as he can keep you there, there's a problem. The whole purpose of a stronghold, like I said, is to keep whatever is safe inside or what is in, well, keep it in. The Bible didn't make a mistake when it says that we need to break down strongholds and that there is a war. The enemy wants you to believe that there is no war. You see, if, you, if he can make you believe that there's no war, you won't find the strongholds. You won't identify them. So I want to look at a few ways, processes of breaking down strongholds. The first thing that you need to do is you have to acknowledge and identify the stronghold. You cannot defeat what you didn't define. Let me say that again. You cannot defeat what you didn't define. How will you, how will you conjure up a strategy if you do not know what it is that you're fighting? So it is time that you acknowledge that if it's depression, doubt, proud, insecurity, pornography, it doesn't matter what it is. You need to identify that so that you can break it down. If you don't acknowledge that there is something that is a stronghold and do not identify it, the enemy will keep on lying to you and lying to you and lying to you. He's telling you it's something else, it's something else, it's something else. Second thing is you need to know that a stronghold can be broken down. It can be demolished. <sighs> Guys, this is, listen to this. We do not wage war as the world does. Verse 4 of 2 Corinthians 10. It says, on the contrary, they have divine power that demolish strongholds. The Greek word that's translated for power is what? Dynamus. We get this word dynamite from it. It's an explosive a miraculous power of God that when there's a stronghold, this dunamis power, this divine power that the word says that will break down strongholds, that divine dunamis power is what you use to put into a fortress and blow it up. In your own power, you cannot do this. Yet we try to do that. Yet in our own power, we try to break down the strongholds. And it, a week later, you go, but I, I'm not succeeding. Two months later, but I'm not succeeding. Three months later, I'm not succeeding. Harvey, you don't understand. I'm not succeeding. It's because in your own power, you are trying to do this. While the word is saying that this divine power that we get from God, that is our dynamos, our dynamite power that we put into a wall of a stronghold to blow it up. Stop trying to do this on your own. You will not succeed. And as I say this, I can feel the Holy Spirit working. There's somebody that needs to know this, that you've been trying to do this in your own power. Maybe it's you at home. You cannot do this in your own power. It is divine power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm spitting like an evangelist here, so I know that this is anointing. I will acknowledge myself. Three, strongholds will make you feel... Guys, you must excuse me. When I wrote this point down, I'm married to an English major, so she will listen to this point and go, it doesn't make sense. But please just hear me out. Strongholds will make you feel you can't. <laughs> it will make you feel like, 
I can't do it. I can't do it. Listen to this. John 5. Oh, guys, it was so amazing. In verse John 5, verse 3, it says, Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? It's a funny thing to ask him, right? Now, when I prepared, I said, it, when I read this to Jackie, I said, and, and knowing that he was lying there for 38 years, Jesus said to him, sorry, it's been too long, Ben, I know that you won't be saved. Oh, sorry, Ben, um, I think that uh, not today. No, he said, he, he asked him this question, a very strange question. It says, do you want to get well? And he replied, yes, please. Is that what your Bible says? He says, sir. Now, guys, let's just be honest here for a minute. The son of God that everybody knows is going through, doing miracles from town to town. 10,000 people come to listen to him, knowing that there's miracles all around. He's standing at this guy and he's saying, hey, do you want to do... Hey, Francois, will you better be And he says, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stilled, while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down before me. Even when the Son of God came, he had excuses and reasons why he can't break the storm. Javi, you don't understand my situation. Javi, you don't understand my um, kids. Javi, you don't understand my job. Javi, you don't understand my industry. Javi, you don't understand my upbringing. Javi, you don't understand my parents. Javi, you don't understand where I came from. You don't understand. And even when Jesus shows up, you say, but Jesus, you don't understand. You don't understand why I can't break free. You don't understand my mental state. You can't understand. I get this lost. You can't understand my spouse. You don't understand how are they bringing me down. You can understand. You can understand. And even when the Son of God stands with you and says, do you want to be well? We've got all these excuses. Breakthrough and breaking down of strongholds can only come when excuses end. Okay, you didn't hear that. Breakthrough and breaking down of strongholds can only come when excuses end. Stop making excuses why it can't be you, why you can't break three, why, you, why it's not you. I almost wanted to put Paul on the spot. He told us the other day such great stories of him in China and, and how he, he bro broke through and, and, and free from, from strongholds. But it's when you stop making excuses. The facts were true, but faith has the ability to override facts. When you mix faith with the dunamis power of God, something happens and facts does not make any difference. Gavi, can jullie my woorde achter? Jullie is baie, baie stil. Ek net, ons kan net bykie harder sit. Okay, so I want to quickly look at Ephesians 6. Now guys, 
like I say, this is, not a, this is not a weekend thing, so I can't go into every single thing of the armor of God. But I just want to quickly touch on it because I want to get to how do we get victory over strongholds? You see, anyone here that wants to hear that? Okay, so I'm going to quickly go through the armor of God. Just qu- and guys, I don't want to go over this just because it's not important. It is very important. Remember that it says that we have to put on this, ar- this armor of God. Finally, my brethren, this is in Ephesians 6, not Galatians. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the vials of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against power, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. Therefore, say therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. This is something I... Rainer, if I pitch up in a war with you and all of our friends here, and you guys are waiting for the enemy, and I pitch up there, met my Bloemfontein Brookie, and it's not Wiki coach, I have two of them on, and I have a little help my stark VSMP on, okay? No gun, no shoes, no helmet, nothing. And I said, okay, manna, come on, gaan. You're going to tell me, what are you doing? Okay? I mean, these guys with guns, are you going to just storm them? I can hear the slinger fell by many. All right? You will think, how stupid and pathetic of this guy coming to this war with nothing. Yet as Christians, we do that every single day of our lives. Let's just recap. It says, brethren, you are in a war. Did you guys hear that? And then it says, therefore, get dressed in the armor. But we get up and we do not dress ourselves in the armor. And we get up in this day and we say, oh God, I don't know what happened. It feels like I can't cope. God, there's so many fiery darts that hit me in the chest today. I can't believe what happened to my family. I can't believe what happened here and I can't believe what happened there. But, but, ons het opgedaag by hierdie war, we came to this war almost naked. Without the weapons, without the armor. And then we've got the audacity to ask what just happened. Am I missing something? Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, a belt with the first piece of equipment that they put on, and it secures all the other pieces of the armor. One thing a belt also did was, it showed that the soldier was ready for action. When they took off their belt and it dropped to the floor, that means I'm resting. But when you've got that on and it's putting all the pieces together, it also shows that you are ready. And that's the truth. 
And it was ready for action with God's truth in the surefire antidote to Satan's lies and his deception. Secondly, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, without righteousness we leave ourselves open to Satan's attacks. To be righteous is first of all to repent and be forgiven of our sins and do what is right in the eyes of God. I'm running out of time, so just hasting through this. Verse 15, and having shod your feet with a preparation, the readiness of the gospel of peace. This word preparation, readiness, reminds us that we are to be eager to preach the gospel of peace. You know, um, we, we, we actually glance over the shoes, but I don't know if you knew this, but the soldiers also had spikes under their shoes, okay? Have you ever thought of that? So that when we put this on our shoes is so that when the enemy attacks us, so that we can stand and withstand, that we can put our feet into the ground and say, enemy, you can come. I'm ready for you. And that is why you need to be ready with the gospel, the gospel that will win over the world, the gospel of peace. 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Guys, the shield wasn't small. It wasn't a little thing. It was quite big. Actually, in some instances, it was a square, a very big square. Who of you have seen the movie 300? Okay, none. So what happens is, because it's this big shield, okay, in, a, in, in this, what do, you, what do you call it, in this unit, the unit will get together, they'll put their shield out on the side, and then they will shield at the top, and it will make a little fortress so that the fiery darts, because they will shoot these arrows, and so that the arrows can't hit them, they would make this little fortress so that that could, and that is what he's saying here. He's saying, guys, have the shield of faith, which will keep away these arrows. But there's something also to, le- to be learning that. Do not be isolated. Do not try to do this on your own. You need a team, a unit that will stand with you on the sides, that will stand in front, and that will help you to keep this fiery darts away from you. Again, that's a sermon on its own. 17, and take the helmet of salvation. We can receive tremendous hope and comfort by focusing on this incredible sacrifice that Jesus Christ gave us. Let me say this. Jesus, when Paul says, let's run the race, he says, run this race, and the way that you're going to endure is keeping your eyes on the prize, on the crown which is Jesus, which is the end goal. That must always be our goal. Not to look good, not to say I've won this victory, but to say that my eye is on the prize, the crown. So, let's get into the 19 ways to obtain victory over this war. I'm almost finished. I know it's really hot today. So five ways to obtain victory in spiritual warfare. Are you guys ready for this? Are you still with me? Are you learning something? We've got enough time. I can start again. So the first thing, don't be afraid. Don't be 
afraid. Fear will paralyze you. Instead, remember the Lord. Nehemiah 4.14 says, When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, and fight for your sons, and fight for your daughters, and fight for your wives, and fight for your houses. Men, it is time that we stand up and we fight for our houses, that we fight for our um, wives, that we fight for our children. Let's teach them not to be afraid, how to withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. Let's teach our children how to put on the armor of God so that as a team, as a family, we can face whatever comes our way. It is time for us to say, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and we will not be afraid. It says in the word, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will never fail you, and he will never abandon you. Joshua 1.9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you when, wherever you go. When you are in a spiritual battle, look to these scriptures and let it stir up your faith. Do not be discouraged. Keep your eyes on him and do not be afraid. The second thing is read the word, speak it, and renew your mindset. So these are one of the things that I've condensed. Okay, It was three things. Fear distorts the facts and retells a story that gives us a negative outcome. You see, the anticipation of a negative outcome increases the anxiety inside of you. Fear will paralyze you. It will cause you to do nothing. But you see, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the renewal of the mind comes through reading the word and speaking the word all the time. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or perceived or heard from me or seen in me, put this into practice. You see, uh, this week, I had to challenge a few people. You need to think that what, it, it, what is it that you are putting into your mind? Is it Philippians 4, 8? You need to look at your quiet time. You need to look at the time that you spend in the Word and see, does that trump social media? Does that trump all the other gunk that you're putting into your body? Because you must know that when you are in a spiritual battle and you need to bring up those scriptures, if you are not in the Word and you're not reading the Word and you're not um, meditating on that and it's in the a tip of your tongue, if it is that you are watching Netflix all the time or you on social media all the time, whatever that's putting, when you're in that moment and you get squeezed, whatever you have put into your mind is what's going to come out. Let's meditate on the Word. Let's, let's, let's read the Word. Let's make sure that that is what's coming out of our mouths. The life you have right now, the life that you're living right now, is a reflection of your thoughts daily. We need to change what we put into our minds. 
Is it important enough for you that you will change your habits of what you put into your body? I had to do something. I didn't prepare to say this, but I had to do something in the last month. I was looking in the mirror and I was on, on that point where I had to get two mirrors because I didn't fit in one anymore. And I, and I went to the best place to make sure you know that you are growing. I went to go into a fitting room that I haven't been in for two years because we couldn't go into, right? So I'm in this fitting room and I'm putting on clothes and there's mirrors all around me. And I thought there was two people in there with me. And I go, no, this must stop today. So I had to do two things. I had to do, go back into, back into the gym, which I see my brother there all the time, and I had to eat right. Because if I don't do that, whatever I'm going to put into my body, whatever I'm not going to do is going to manifest later. I can't expect to have a buff body if I'm not training it, if I'm not eating right. I can't look like Dirk if I keep on doing what I'm doing right? I need to change it. It's the same. You see, again, we are so arrogant that we think that it's different when it comes to our spiritual life. In our spiritual life, if we put whatever we put into our body is going to form and stretch our spirit man. If you neglect it, you were able to draw on that spirit. Does it make sense? Third thing is, start to pray and worship. Ephesians 6, 80 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance, supplications, like all the saints. Listen to this amazing scripture. Acts 16, 25 says, About about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there, was, there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. When? When they were praying and singing hymns of praise. 1 Chronicles 20 says, Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord as they begin to sing and praise. The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. Let me tell you this. Make time to worship and praise God. It is time for you to, like the Bible says, go into your room, close the door, go onto your knees and say, Father, I'm here to praise you and to honor you and to sing worship songs. Because in that moment, I don't care what struggle you have, I don't care what it is, in that moment, something will happen in the spiritual realm and something will be broken and you will get to that problem the next day and it will be sorted out, not because of your might, because of the dynamis power of God. And that is activated by us singing in the spirit, praising him for who he is, keeping our eyes fixed on him. But you have to make time to go into your bedroom. You have to make time to close your door. You have to make time to praise Him with everything that's in you. Put on the worship music and say, Father, I don't know what to do, but I know that you are in control. Stop trying to do it yourself and something will happen immediately. Like the doors open, like Jehoshaphat praising God. He didn't know when he got, we know the end of the story. He didn't know that. When he got to the, to the, to the, to the um, war field, they were all dead. 
He didn't know that that's going to happen. But in that moment of worship, God fought his battle for him. I want to challenge you. How many times at home do you put on your worship music? How much time do we spend? Are we hungry enough to break the strongholds that's making us sick? Fourth, almost there. Remember who you are. Oh, remember who you are. This is the good news, guys. The enemy will try and convince you that you are defeated. But the truth is that you are a victor. He'll try to convince you that you are the worst person in the world. But the truth is that you are the apple of his eye. That is how God sees you. Do not let the enemy convince you that you are worth nothing. When God looks at you, he says, the apple of my eye, you've got my ear. What can I do for you? But you see, when you're isolated and you're alone, and you do not tap into this power that brings down strongholds, the enemy will lie to you. He will tell you that you are worthless. Speak the truth about who you are over yourself with every assault that comes your way. For now it is no longer me that lives, but he who lives within me. I have been crucified with Christ. Christ lives in me, so the Holy Spirit is in me. And because he lives in me, 1 John 4, 4 is true. That says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And because of this, I can look at his promises and his promises is yes and amen. And because of he lives in me, I know I know that I will go over and not under. I know that I'm the head and not the tail. I know that he is for me, so who can be against me? I know that the fiery darts of the um, enemy will not get close to me, not because of who I am, but because of who I am in him. And we need to walk in that destiny. We need to get to that place where we genuinely believe that. When we not read it and put it on the back of our cars or on a nice wall in our um, lounge where people can see it. And it's No, you need to walk in it. And then only, and then only, you will not be up the one day and down the next day because you will know who you are in Christ because the Holy Spirit will stir something up in you and you will stand up and say, no more. I break this in the name of Jesus then we believe who we are. Then we can break the strongholds. But the enemy has lied to you for long enough. It is time. It is time, guys. Amen? Amen. And then the last thing. When you have done all to stand, stand. Just hear me out. I hope that this sticks. This is again one of those things that I did and I thought, God help me. Is there not something else? But I hope that this is something that you will remember. Sorry, I'm laughing at myself because this was very funny. Remember the promise of but. One T. Not two, one T. Remember the promise of but. When we're in a battle, there's always two teams, right? Okay. So when we play rugby, oh, you have to choose a team. You can't play for both. When I play for the blue team, I'm the enemy of the red team, right? When I play for the red team, I'm the enemy of the blue team. 